my goodness. Friends and family, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to our podcast. Oh yeah, that was a good movie, baby. Conversational show where two indie filmmakers discuss what we believe are underappreciated movies. My name is John Kaviklis. I'm a Los Angeles-based independent filmmaker. I am Osvaldo Cuevas, and I am Chicago-based filmmaker. Yes, sir, Osvaldo. Welcome back. Welcome back from the holidays. Happy holidays to everyone yeah. uh, listening Happy at holidays. home. We did a, did a little break there, and I uh, hope everyone enjoyed their whatever they celebrate. Uh, yeah. Steve, <laughs> try to be as inclusive <laughs> as possible to everyone. You know? That's right. Do you have any holiday movies, John, that you watch every year? Uh, I'm a big fan of A Christmas Story because I basically was that kid from A Christmas Story growing up, like this crazy imagination, and and I really wanted a BB gun at one point. Um, <laughs> so I really enjoy that. I really love the uh, the National Plan, uh, Lampoon's Christmas, although I didn't watch it this year. I, uh, the National Lampoon's uh, Christmas Vacation is pretty amazing, too. What about you? Um, you know, The Christmas Story, I haven't seen it in a long time, but we watched it this Christmas with the kids. I was surprised. It was really good. I was like, oh, it's great. How, yeah. how well it held up. And I was like, this is really good. We actually watched the remake as well. Not oh, the remake. Yeah. They did a, uh, a second the part. The sequel. Yeah. What did, and you, it was, what did you think? It was actually be- way better than I thought it was going to be. Really? It was, I, it was I a very about halfway, sweet... I got about halfway through it until yeah. I was like, eh, yeah. Uh, so I uh, maybe I'll finish it. I see. <laughs> see, I think I had the advantage of seeing it through my kids' eyes. So that kind of helps, like, because they were enjoying yeah. it. So, you know, you got to see it. But I, I liked it more than well, I thought. I'll bring your kids over and. I'll watch there it. There you go, yeah. <laughs> you guys got to go to Los Angeles. John wants to watch a movie. Yeah, but you can't stay with me. <laughs> Find your own place. So we do have a, a Christmas tradition that we've had for many, many years. Is we watch Bad Santa on Christmas uh, Day after with, we put the kids With to the bed. kids? No, no, after we put okay, the kids good. to bed, yeah. Have you seen that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Real fun, real funny uh, adult movie. Uh, yeah. Billy Bob Thornton, like, really... Re- Billy Bob Thornton playing like a drunken loser is really his wheelhouse. Like he's amazing <laughs> when he can just play like a complete piece of shit. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a, a Christmas special one day and we'll, we'll cut up some movies. We'll do a versus. We'll, we'll do, do a it Christmas like story versus solstice, bad though. Santa. <laughs> so Oswaldo, now that we are past the holidays, we have a new movie that we're going to talk about today. Well, why don't you go ahead and introduce it for us? Yes. So the movie I chose was 2002's Bubba Hotep, directed by Don Coscarelli. Yeah, uh, wrote, wrote and directed the uh, Phantasm series, Beastmaster, John Dies at the End. You know, pretty, pretty, yep. good, pretty good amount of skins on the wall, as I like to say. Yeah, and then also starring Bruce Campbell. Oh, the great Bruce Campbell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, Spider-Man, Hudsucker Proxy. Like, he's, he's one of the greats. Yeah, and another great, Ozzie Davis, surprisingly in this movie. <laughs> yeah, Ozzy Davis, uh, do the right thing, grumpy old men, the client. He really good, like African American character actor that was around for a really, really long time. Uh, also uh, making a surprise appearance, the actress Ella Joyce, who, as I was watching it, uh, I was like, who, who is this lady? Because I try not, to, I try not to like have my phone on me or anything when I'm watching a movie. I couldn't place, it. and then it clicked that uh, Ella Joyce actually played Eleanor, the wife in the show Rock. If you remember the TV show Rock, starring Charles S. Dutton in the '90s. Rock. I don't think so. Yeah, ROC. He was. It, you know Charles S. Dutton, the actor. He uh, he played the 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 wise African American uh, groundskeeper in Rudy. He was in like Aliens Three. He's been around a long time. Actually, really interesting. You should read about him. Really interesting life. Like killed a guy at one point. Was in jail. Uh, yeah. I'm seeing pictures of it, and now it's like bring. I remember seeing. I don't know if I've seen a lot of episodes, but I I do remember seeing this on TV. Yeah, I really mm-hmm. liked that show as a kid. I haven't seen it in years. One of my fa- 
there was just a line from that show that I always laugh at in my head where she was like, something was happening, they were celebrating something, and like Rock was on his way home, and, and uh, Eleanor was like, uh, I made chicken pot pie just the way Rock likes it, and his dad was like, how's that? And she goes, lots of it. <laughs> For some <laughs> reason, that, that joke, like still like 20-something years later, killed me. But yeah, Ella Joyce, really, really good, really funny comedic actress, really great. She was, she was really good in this movie. She had a small role, but I think she, she like really gave it a lot of life. Yeah, and I think she was the nurse in Rock, too. Like, I think that maybe she got typecast as the the Uh nurse. Yeah. Yeah. So the IMDb synopsis, uh, obviously spoilers ahead for anyone who's listening who hasn't seen this movie. Elvis Presley and a black JFK stay in a nursing home where nothing happens until a wayward Egyptian mummy comes and sucks out the old people's souls through their anuses. The two decide to fight back. Uh, 6.9 rating on IMDb. That is the (laughs) IMDb. What do you think of that synopsis? That's that's all right. I mean, it's... uh... That's one of the cool things about this movie is the the idea behind it is just fucking ridiculous. Yeah, well, it's based <laughs> on a it's based on a short story by uh, Joe Lansdale who did like a whole Elvis like yeah like it was a mini whole, series, like horror basically. like book yeah, yeah like like a bunch, whole of bunch of stuff about him. And there was there was plans for sequels. There's still plans for sequels, but uh, it sounds like there nothing's really going. Like Paul Giamatti was attached at one point. And, like I don't mm-hmm. know that anything's going to happen though. So, so from uh, from the interview, I guess Bruce Campbell is not a fan of the script that uh, Don has 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 written. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seemed like uh, what what did he say? He said like um, their friendship is more important than making this project happen or something like that. Like it seems like like you've written stuff with people where it's like you get heated yeah. and you know sometimes mm-hmm. you. You you get very opinionated and like they can, it can I mean you know uh, famously like David Cross and Bob Odenkirk uh, didn't speak for years because of uh, uh, Run Ronnie Run or like uh, Harold Ramis and and Bill Murray because you know you get two very creative people that start butting heads and that's it's just it's going to be toxic so I I think that's what he was trying to avoid yeah it makes sense so Bubba Hotep uh, so I I saw two different numbers um, one said a half a million dollar budget the other one said a million dollar budget I don't know if you were if you saw anything on that. I, so what I read was the 500000 In an interview with Don Castorelli, he said that they had a $700,000 budget. So it might have been a $500,000 plus, you know, uh, another 300000 for, like, advertisement and, and Yeah, when they had stuff. advertising and yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, had a $35,000 opening weekend. Uh, and total, total theater gross was $1.2 million. So... Depending on what their actual budget was, I mean, five hundred thousand you would consider one point two a success. Uh, anything over that, you're not going to consider. You know, you've got to double your budget to have it be considered a financial success in the movie world. So, yeah, technically, I don't know. I don't know if it's considered a success or not. But. I mean, I would say so. I don't know if you uh, read anything about it, but they, they had to release it all on his own. So they had to like self distribute and do all, all that. And MGM didn't actually step in till once that whole deal was created with them trying to do trying to put in all these theaters. So MGM only helped with the sales of the DVDs. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that they did a they did like a roadshow of it, which mm-hmm. uh, like Kevin Smith has kind of like rejuvenated that idea in the last like five or six years or so of like you know just taking prints to theaters and kind of four walling. They call it like renting out the theater, and so I think there was like twelve there was like twelve or thirteen copies that kind of got passed around. On its original run, so it's kind of like uh, El Mariachi, just to bring your favorite Robert Rodriguez back in, uh, yeah. as always, uh, because I think like his budget was super low and he did it all himself. And then one of the major studios got involved, and that's why, like they say, they shot El Mariachi for like what was it three three hundred three thousand dollars or five thousand dollars, whatever it was. I think it was seven thousand total. Seven thousand. Yeah. And then then the studios got involved and like did like a re edit and then did promotion for it, and the budget actually went way higher. So. 
Yeah. Thank God the studios are coming in and saving all these great movies. Yeah, how, really, how really owe the studios a lot. Yeah. <laughs> did you happen to see the uh, Jane Silent Bob uh, reboot? Uh, yeah, I did. And <laughs> maybe, maybe the worst movie I've ever sat through. Like it was. That was a tough watch. It was. I was. I was kind of uh, sad. But I have a theory that I feel like anyone who saw it in theaters probably thought it was amazing or probably really enjoyed it being in a crowd of people like like-minded people and then also having uh jay and silent bob there to talk about it afterwards oh absolutely no no i i'm that's funny you bring this up because a buddy of mine actually went to the dallas one and he said it was great and people were laughing and cheering and kevin smith announced like you know we tried to do other things we tried to do cop out we tried to do yoga hosers and uh they didn't work, so we're just going to stick with the View Askew universe from here on out. And people like went nuts. And I was nice. like, oh, great. And then I watched it, and I was like, I called him <laughs> up, and I was like, what the fuck is your problem? Man? And he watched it again, he's like, okay. No, it was part of, like, you know, it's like if you go to, if you ever once saw, like, a WWE yeah. match, and it's like, I'm not a fan of The Rock, but when The Rock comes out, you're on your seat cheering because you're part <laughs> of it. You know, it's that mob mentality. So, yeah, I, I get it. But it was, that was, that was terrible. That movie was terrible. Yeah. Um, And it, I think Clerks. <laughs> Did Clerks 3 just come out? I'm like, I have no interest in seeing that. <laughs> I, have, I have no interest in seeing that. Yeah, but I mean, I think he did. I think he kind of realized that where he was at. And he's like, you know what? I want to make this movie and I want to be able to pay for it. So I'm going to do it. and I'm going to make all my money back, you know, going around and touring it. And I'm sure he had a good time making the movie and also going on tour. So, I mean, it was a win on his book. We're talking about Don <laughs> Coscarelli here or we're talking about Kevin no, no, Smith? No, no, talking about Kevin Smith. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kevin Smith at this point is, I mean, yeah. he's going to be able to kind of do whatever he wants to do. Which is nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, it must be nice. Yeah. <laughs> now that Harvey Weinstein's not in his way. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we should talk about Bubba Hotep a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the feedbacks we uh, got was that we keep going on these rants. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is what conversations with John and I are like. We just keep going down these holes. <laughs> yeah, you're lucky you're only getting an hour. Yeah. Uh, so... This was your first time fully watching Bubba Hotep, John. Yes. What'd you think? Uh, so last week you mentioned that you took your wife on your first date to go see this movie together, mm -hmm. right? Is that right? Well, we, uh, that was the first, so that was, uh, I'm trying to say it's not to sound creepy, um, yeah. but that was how I got her to come over. I was like, oh, you should watch this movie. <laughs> <laughs> this was pre-Netflix and chill days. So yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. Yeah. So we had the DVD and I was like, I was like, I was like, what kind of movie would, would like interest her? And just saying the concept of this, it was an, an older Elvis and a JFK who is still alive and they died in black and they live in a retirement home. And there's a mummy sucking people's soul out of their anuses, and they have to fight them. And so and she was like, know, "Yes." She was like, "Absolutely, one hundred percent." Let me put it this way: I'm surprised that she stayed with you after watching this movie. I oh, did yeah. not enjoy this movie at oh, all. No way, not no. at all. This is awesome. Very, very little. There was a couple lines that kind of made me chuckle, but overall, man, I, I think it's a great premise. I think it's a great idea. It's ridiculous enough for me to be right up it to be right up my alley, but I just think the execution of it was not very good. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, Fat see, see, that's my opinion is the complete opposite. I think it's the execution that made it great because I really? felt like this could have been super campy and over the top, and I felt like they played it as real as possible with such a ridiculous concept. 
See, I think they should have gone way campier with it. I oh, think that okay. would have given it. I would think. I think they should have. So, as I was watching it, especially because I watched it twice, where the second time was really rough. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, you, you you get your first impression of something, and then you 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 sit with it for a couple of days, and you go back and you rewatch it. I when I watched it the second time, especially it it was really in my head that this was somewhere in between, uh, like a Sam Raimi movie and uh, like a Lloyd Kaufman Tromaville movie. And I think if they had gone either further e- either direction with it, mm-hmm. I think it would have been better. So like they didn't go. It wasn't for as crazy of a concept it was. It wasn't that crazy of a movie, if that makes sense. Like it, like they didn't do the stuff that I would have wanted to see from that logline of like, oh, he's sucking old people's anuses, you know, <laughs> or souls through their anuses, and it's uh, and it's JFK and it's Elvis, but like. Like, really, like, the fact that they were Elvis and the fact that they were JFK didn't really have any bearing on the story at all. You know, like, it could have been... Like, I understand the fact that, like... I mean, I I, I, I think I get the fact that, uh, you know, these two guys that are... They're old and their lives are at their end and they're feeling uh, neglected and, and underappreciated. Like, they're being coddled as little... And they're about to be forgotten forever. So they they take on these two... I guess theoretically, they I don't, we can get into whether or not they are or not Elvis and Black JFK later, but um, <laughs> you know they 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 have these two um, personas that they're that they're that they're giving out to the world to try to make them stand out and not be forgotten, and then death literally is chasing them. The mummy is literally chasing them, but there was no reason for them. Like he didn't do anything Elvis to save the day. He didn't do anything JFK. To save the day, like they didn't, they didn't call on those two historical figures to impact the story at all, and that's kind of what I think I wanted out of this. That makes sense. I I could see that. I felt I don't know. I just felt like if they they would have gone full campy, like it just would have lost all its heart. Because I I think deep down, like this is a pretty sweet movie. It had some really sweet moments with the uh, the, the first cowboy dying where he's shooting. With his yeah. little uh, his little toy guns, and he ends up dying like in action, and he dies with a smile. I was like, that was fucking cool. Uh, that made me feel good. But I think if they would have gone completely over the top, then it would have just been like watching a cartoon. Which it sounds like maybe this movie should have been a cartoon, but I think that's what kind of gave it its, its humanity. I felt it would have been too easy to take that route. I think he took the harder route. You know, you read, you read the this. I don't. I have, did you read the novella by chance? No, no, neither did I. But you. This is a I, podcast show, not a book show. Come yeah, on. right. <laughs> <laughs> We're not no nerds. We could. Uh, that's funny because I have a, a book that Don uh, Castorelli wrote, <laughs> <laughs> and I want to read a part from there. Um, but I felt like I think he he took it to a more humane sort of style, and I think that's what gave the movie the heart that it needed. Okay. Um, I understand what you're saying. Um, I feel like we're in a couple's therapy. Yeah, I exactly. I hear what you're saying. I, I, I'm <laughs> receiving your input. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I missed the uh, the heart aspect of it just because I was kind of bored out of my <laughs> mind, you know. But also, one thing, I, uh, too, that bothered me about this, the, the way they presented this movie was that it's it's all exposition. Like, they're always talking about stuff instead of doing stuff. And it's not until, like the end of the movie, I mean, they literally sit on a bed and they eat candy bars and he like lays out how the mummy got there, 
You know what I mean? Like they literally just talk about stuff that they've done, which I guess rings true to old people. Maybe that's something that I that fell short on me when I was watching. They just are always talking about stuff that they they have done. But it was all exp- you know, the 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 one of the first rules in 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 filmmaking is show don't tell. Mm-hmm. And they literally just sit there and talk about stuff that's happening off screen the entire movie until the very end. And then the end is just kind of like Okay, he the worst he action you've ever seen. Yeah, like I mean, I get it. He's an old man, and they're yeah. technically two old men fighting because he's a mummy. But one thing when I've done like um, when I've done like script coverage and stuff for people, one of the things that I see a lot of is like when somebody when a when a character does something to solve a problem, right, and it doesn't work, and then they do it again, the same thing, and then it does work. That's always something I tell people. I'm like, look, that's weak. That's weak writing. You've got to, if it didn't work, it's not going to work again. But then in the end of this movie, he lights the mummy on fire and then he kind of fucks around for a couple minutes and then he lights the mummy on fire again. And that's the end of the movie. And I was like, no, no. He lights the mummy on fire and then he really lights the mummy on fire. (laughs) Okay. Is that what it is? (laughs) Well, who the the fuck came along and put this mummy out? That's their bad. Like, but I feel like they should have, they could have too. Like, I mean, the whole, the whole movie seemed to be about them trying to justify their lives. Like, like to re like to make their lives have meant something. And they do this big action, but like it it's just for the the two of them, basically. You know, I mean I guess they technically are saving the souls of the people that the mummies suck through their anuses. But um <laughs> <laughs> But overall, like, you know, they could have had like there was the girl in the beginning who kind of like dismissed uh Elvis. Uh, you know, they could have brought her back and made her something like not to make a damsel in distress, but to have like a young person see that like, oh, old people are valuable or or, you know, like there is something to be said about spending time with the elderly because they do have wisdom and they do have stories. They do have information to pass along. But that it, instead of doing that, it was just the two old guys and a mummy and everyone dies and every, everything, you know, when you die, everything dies with you. So if you haven't passed it on, then nothing's getting passed on. So it just seemed the ending just seemed kind of like futile to me, you know. That so I, I think one of the the feedback that he got from the studios, at least when he was trying to pitch the idea, everyone kept saying kind of what you were saying, like, well, we need to bring in young people. We need to bring in like, how do we make this more like young and hip? And that was what he did not want to do. Like he wanted to keep it true to the the story. And he really wanted yep. to make it about old people and old people and like in an old folks' home and just fuck, man. That old folks' home looks horrible. It, it looks like brutal, the most. Oh my god! Yeah, that was I hard to watch. Old, man. Yeah, that was like that was the sc- <laughs> that was way scarier than the that mummy. Was the scariest part of the whole thing yeah. was just the neglect of these old people and just you know. But no, I agree. I'm not saying. Look, I'm not saying that they should have had younger characters in there to like boost the sellability or or marketability because I hear that shit all the time from from. <laughs> producers and you know and buyers and it's like you guys don't nobody knows what the fuck is gonna sell nobody knows what they're talking about you hear that shit constantly oh we gotta up the the marketability of it by putting in this this and this it's like well if if there was a formula that actually worked there wouldn't be any failed movies you know what i mean yeah. every movie mm-hmm. would work so i'm not saying that they should have brought in i'm not saying they should have like i almost said euthanized it uh i'm not <laughs> saying they should have i think you are saying they should have euthanized yeah. it I wanted to be euthanized <laughs> when watching this. I'm not. I'm not saying they should have like brought in extra characters to like make it young and hip. What I'm saying is, if the whole point of this movie was that these guys are trying to justify their lives and not be forgotten, 
And then, I mean, and maybe it's them accepting the fact that, like, we all get forgotten at the end. Maybe, maybe that's what it, the point of it was. But, I mean, I feel like it, it, it just fell short of delivering a cohesive message as to what it was trying to say. So like, I, I didn't see any of that, like, them trying not to be forgotten. So, so mostly what I saw was them trying to be alive again. And I think that was their whole purpose. Like they were trying to live and feel like they were alive because they're sitting in that old folks home and you, you see it like in the beginning in the opening scene where everything's just flashing through him and like he's just in bed and he opens his eyes up and things are moving quickly. He doesn't know what the hell's going on, but that's his life. He's like basically bedridden. And like the whole thing, big talk about how his, his dick doesn't work and like he mm -hmm. hasn't felt anything. And then as soon as he does something, like he kills that bug and there's a little bit of action, he's like alive again. And yeah, that he says, I care, I care thing. about, there's something I care about now. Yeah. yeah. So I think the, the whole theme, the whole, the bigger theme was, was, I don't think they cared too much about being forgotten. I think they just wanted to be alive again and feel like they, they, they had a purpose. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, do you really think that he was Elvis or do you think he was an Elvis impersonator? Do you think he was JFK or do you think he was uh, old, an old crazy person in a, in a, uh, old folks home? That was one of my questions for you. I think he was Elvis. I think he just wanted to forget about that life, and and it sounded like he was having a good time, but then he broke his hip, and then you know everything got screwed, um, mm -hmm. which is interesting because he was almost going to die worse than the real Elvis, how he died, you know, yeah. just dying in an old folks' home. So at least he got his his moment, and he got to die a hero, which he even talked went about out on the toilet. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he even talked about. Um, he's like. Something that I always wanted to be and a hero, you know, that, that yeah. whole thing. So I, I think he was. JFK, I'm not sure. I feel like it would be awesome if he was. Yeah. Like, I don't even think that, that Elvis believed it. Maybe towards the end. No, I think maybe at, at the end when he asked him, he goes, hey, uh, hey, Jack, how was Marilyn Monroe? <laughs> uh, that was, see, that was a great line. Because he, what yeah. does he respond? He says, uh, that's classified. That is classified. Between you and me. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> <laughs> man, he um, had some some great delivery on, on some of those lines because he had some ridiculous lines. Yeah, no, I uh, thought that Ozzie. he was. I thought that he was really funny. I thought that uh, he was my favorite part of the movie. But then I think isn't there a scene where where Elvis kind of looks and doesn't he does he see a scar on the back of mm -hmm. JFK's head? Like, so yeah. there is something to like kind of maybe that was either like a, a injury he took. And it made him think he was JFK, or maybe he was the actual JFK, and Lyndon Johnson died in black because Lyndon Johnson, you know, as the years go on, we learn was a notorious kind of piece of shit. So, yeah. <laughs> you go, that's how clever they are. They dyed me this color all over. <laughs> Such a good line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, he's got the great line too, where they're where they're planning. It's a huge exposition scene, unfortunately, but they're they're talking about plans and stuff. And he's like, he's got all the candy in his room, and he goes, "You want a ding dong?" <laughs> And Elvis kind of looks at him and he goes, not mine. Talk about a chocolate ding-dong. Well, I suppose mine would be chocolate, too. <laughs> <laughs> I like how, so one thing I really noticed watching this this film, like anytime he delivers these lines, like it looks like he's just making up all those lines. He's such a good performance on him. On him. He's, yeah. so, he's so fucking talented. So Don Costelli wrote a book called True Indie, The Life and Death in uh, Filmmaking. And there's a chapter on, on this called Mummy Business. And he wrote some really sweet words about uh, Ozzie Davis. I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and read you this, this 
this chapter here, or this chapter, this uh, this paragraph real quick. Yes, please. Yeah, read you half the book. <laughs> it's like an Andy Kaufman performance. So, from the first reading of the Bubba Hotep novella, I firmly believed that only one actor in the world could play our African-American president, John F. Kennedy. And that was the great Ozzie Davis. Mr. Davis is, my, in my opinion, an authentic national treasure with a long and storied career. Not only is he celebrated as an actor on stage and on screen, but also a director, author, poet, playwright, and social activist. His career as a director included the very first of what became as the popular exploitation genre with his film Cotton Comes to Harlem. Ozzy was an important civil rights activist in the 60s. In addition to the honor of being selected as the MC at the legendary 1963 March on Washington, Ozzy also attended the funeral of human rights activist Malcolm X and delivered an uh, eloquent, moving eulogy. From the get-go, I believe that Ozzy had the presence and the ability to portray a character of presidential stature. Which I thought, like, I didn't know that much about him. So that was really cool things to, to read about in the book. Yeah. No, no. He, mm-hmm. he lived. Well, that's good. I mean, maybe that was a, one of the reasons they picked him, too, is, like, he's playing this this character who's, you know, super famous. But actually, he himself had done a, a bunch for, you know, the civil rights movement and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, what That was actually Bruce Campbell was, was one of the reasons why he decided to do this movie was because he found out that he got <laughs> Ozzie Davis to do it. And he goes, really? Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the things I read said uh, Bruce Campbell's the first question he asked Don uh, Coscarelli was, "Do you see Elvis's penis?" <laughs> In an interview, he asked him that, and then it was also like, "How long are you going to spend on this movie?" And I think he said six weeks, which I guess he was worried that it would be like a two-week sort of thing. And he's like, yeah. "No, this is going to need time to to do it right." Well, one of the things, speaking of Bruce Campbell, was one of the things I I didn't like about this movie was, and this is just my own personal beef is like I love Bruce Campbell and I love seeing Bruce Campbell be Bruce Campbell you know I love him I feel like he's I'm sure he's nicer than Ash from the Evil Dead series but like (laughs) I I feel like that's probably not that far away I've never met him but I like watching Bruce Campbell be Bruce Campbell and even in stuff where he's not playing Ash where he's you know he's the ring announcer from uh, in Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, he's, you know, the, the reporter in the Hudsucker Proxy, like, he's he's always playing that kind of, like, swarmy slash charming kind of, like, asshole character, and I just didn't like seeing him in this getup. I didn't like seeing him as Elvis, because I wanted to see him as Ash, or as, as a more of a Bruce Campbell character, when now he's doing an impression. Now, that's just my shit, because, like, he, I know he got praised for his, his, portrayal of Elvis people were going crazy for it but personally I feel like they took all the charm that Bruce Campbell naturally gives off in his performances and they covered it in Elvis makeup and then you couldn't see it <laughs> I, I could see that because he wasn't as as charming and as uh ridiculous as he normally is but he yeah he was very subtle and, and I think that's when um Don Castorelli in one of his interviews, like when he said, like when he first came to my house and he was reading, he I guess he got really excited because Bruce Campbell didn't do anything over the top. He played it real straight, and he was like, "Yes, yeah. that's what I wanted." Well, yeah, and I'm sure that that's that benefited the movie more than him mugging like Bruce Campbell. I'm just saying, <laughs> as personally as a fan as a of fan. Bruce Campbell. Yeah. He's listen. The only actor's autobiography I've ever read is Bruce Campbell's. You know, uh, <laughs> if Jins could kill, it's it's great. My friend, my friend is actually quoted like it, there's there's quotes at the beginning of each chapter. One of my friends, before I even knew him, is quoted in that as saying something like, "How come all your Sam Raimi stuff so good, but all your other movies suck?" or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
it's it's I like I like Bruce Campbell as Bruce Campbell or as Ash. You know what I mean? Like, it, is that a shitty thing to do? Yeah, I'm typecasting him in this thing, but that's what I want to see. And when I saw him as Elvis, it was just like I just. You Were know, you expecting like a big over the top Elvis? I don't I don't know. I think it just was so off-putting like hearing Bruce Campbell's voice but then doing an Elvis voice on top of that cuz it was it was still wasn't that far away from his normal voice. Like it's not <laughs> not that he was doing a bad impression or impersonation, but he was he just kind of still sounded kind of like Bruce Campbell, you know? Maybe it was just hard for me to separate the actor from the part and that could be me, that could be the way they performed. I don't know, but that's when I was watching it, I was just like, I don't like seeing this. I want to see him. <laughs> I want to see him be Bruce Campbell. I want to see his boomstick. I want to see, you know, I mean, I want to see him be a suave asshole who could still get the girl who, you know what I mean? Like, even though he's older and like Ash versus Evil Dead, he's older and he's kind of, they're playing off of that. Like he's grown up and he's old and pathetic now, but he's still kind of yeah. charming, you know? There was something I saw him in, and I can't remember what it was. But he was like sitting and having a conversation with somebody at like this, this like restaurant, like bar sort of thing. He was sitting mm -hmm. at a table, and he gets up to do something, and he just like there's some guy sitting uh, like next to him, and he just grabs his head and like pushes it down and like just walks away, <laughs> <laughs> and it just made me laugh so hard. Um, but it was just feel like I felt like that's just something he just did on the spot, and the actor was probably like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, maybe. I mean. <laughs> Did you see did you see the new uh Doctor Strange movie? I did. I mean terrible movie I thought, but his little cameo was great where he's just like funny, beating yeah. the shit out of himself mm -hmm. the entire time. Like probably the funniest yeah. part of that whole movie mm -hmm. or the best part of that whole movie was that little Bruce Campbell. And again, it was it was a Sam Raimi movie. So uh, maybe that was it too. Like it I think it was, your friend did, said it right. How come you're only good at uh <laughs> at uh, yeah. Sam Raimi movies? How come you're only good at Sam Raimi movies? So who this is your movie now? You're okay. directing this. Who are you going to okay. cast as Elvis? In 2002? Doesn't matter. Well, I mean, fucking got, Elvis, if it doesn't got, matter. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> well, okay, so here's the thing. There's been some great Elvises in the past. You know, I mean, Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer did a very small Elvis impersonation in True Romance. 3,000 Miles of Graceland had a bunch of good Elvises in it. If I'm going to pick someone to play old Elvis... From any from any time era, but playing an old like a young person playing an old Elvis, but any actor. Sure. <laughs> it's just tough, man. Should, I mean, should I, should I limit you to like a current actors? Well, well, I mean, I'm not going to go further than you know, 90s or 2000s anyway. <laughs> but to play this this character. I feel like I feel like I, I'm on his jock all the time, but I feel like Nicolas Cage would have been. Oh really my good. god, that's exactly who I was thinking. Really? <laughs> yeah. Either that or like, even like a John Goodman, maybe. Oh um, wow! Because I feel be, like John would Goodman would have. I feel like you're going two different directions with that. Mm -hmm. So Nicolas Cage is going to go a million miles an hour, and John Goodman's going to kind of bring it back and be a little more subtle with it. Um, but maybe I'm just thinking that John Goodman could fill out the Elvis costume. Maybe that's yeah. what I'm picturing. <laughs> <laughs> he also, he's got kind of, also ironically he's got kind of an Elvis look in. Oh, brother without thou. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, the other one, uh, Raising Arizona. You know, he's got the big chops and the slick, the slick greaser hair with Nicolas Cage in it. So I, maybe yeah, that's I maybe that's why I went with because I actually almost said William Forsythe too. So maybe I'm just picturing <laughs> Raising Arizona. 
You know, I've never actually seen that movie. You're fucking up, bud. Yeah, I know. You need I really to see want to see it. I've yeah. seen, I think, every other Coen Brothers movie, and I'm a huge Coen Brothers fan, but I've not seen uh, Raising Arizona. That um, and I'm a Nicolas Cage fan. There's here's the thing. You're you should we should stop right now. You should go watch Raising Arizona, <laughs> and we'll re we'll, we'll reconvene restart. in two hours. Yeah, that's one of like my all time my all time favorite movies. Yeah. I loved and I, like I've watched it since I was a little kid. It's one of those movies that was just always kind of around, and like me and my brother used to watch and laugh at. And then as you get older, and like like because as a kid it's just silly, but then you get older and you start to you know you have adult problems and you realize like oh this is these guys have adult problems even though they're they're young in the movie but no it's it's it starts to hit you different as you get older too it's great it's fantastic you know it's funny though uh, god we're really veering off topic today That's one of right. the things uh <laughs> one of the things i read one time was uh somebody asked nicholas cage why were you the only person not to like go back and do and work with the coen brothers again because, uh, you know, they use a lot of the same actors. John Goodman, Holly Hunter, you know, they use a lot of the same actors. Mm -hmm. um, and what he said was that they clashed so much on set because it was their first... They had done Blood Simple, but this was their first foray into comedy. And the Coen brothers have a very specific kind of comedy. But this was their first comedic movie, so no one knew exactly what they were doing. So everyone that came... So they butted heads a lot. But everyone that came after him had the ability then to like reference a Coen Brothers comedy and they knew what they were getting into and they could be more comfortable doing it. Because Raising Arizona, if, I'm sure if you read that script, people are just like, what the hell is happening here? It's probably like reading the Napoleon Dynamite script. You're like, where's the comedy in this? Yeah. But I mean, a lot of it comes from the way they shoot, which is, you know, the, the Coens and the Raimis are very similar. You know, they're, they're, they came up together. Um, they both have very distinct styles, I think. You know, Bruce Campbell was actually in the trailer that they made before Blood Simple. So when they made Blood Simple, they first made it into a trailer, and they used Bruce Campbell as the main guy. And then, oh, really? Of course, oh, he was recasted. That. Yeah. Uh huh. You can actually look it up on YouTube. I'll put a, course, a, a link gets, in the Bruce show Campbell notes. gets he gets moved out of the way for a bigger star. Yeah. Poor yep. guy. Yeah. <laughs> but Blood um, Simple is a fucking masterpiece. Oh, it's so oh, good. My Especially God, for yeah. like a first feature. Yeah. Oh my God. Oof. I was so jealous when I when I saw it. <laughs> but that that first movie, that first feature, especially is is super difficult um but you know they also lucked out because they had i mean you know they had dan hadea and mm at walsh and stuff but i mean a young Frances mcdormand who i don't know if she was really doing anything before that like she that's the first thing i can think of her being in off the top of my head um i think that might have been her first feat i think that might have been her first feature so like I mean, they were taking a risk, too, Good with casting, her. I mean, yeah. she probably mm -hmm. was a theater kid or something. You know, I'm sure it wasn't her first acting experience. But, you know, I mean, to have her kind of carry a movie like that, you know, maybe the, the stars just aligned for them, unlike how they do for some people. <laughs> Not pointing fingers at myself. <laughs> well, I never actually got to ask you my question, though. Um, oh, yeah, you had a question. About Bubba Hotel, because I said, do you feel like uh, he was... You, so you think he was Elvis and he was not JFK? I don't know. I think, I think I'm gonna say just because I think it makes it so much more enjoyable is I think he really was JFK. <laughs> okay. Just because it would make it more believable if he really was. You know what I mean? No, I'm kidding. You think, uh, hold you on, think hold on. it would make it more believable? Yeah. <laughs> um. No, I, I don't know. It's kind of a tough one because it's so it's so ridiculous, 
and like it's just it's such a big big leap that it, it is kind of hard to believe you know what i do th- think though is i think he really thinks he's jfk <laughs> okay you so yeah. you think he thinks he's jfk but you think and you think he is elvis yes See, I agree with I agree with the JFK thing. I think he does think he is, really is JFK, but I think Elvis knows he's not Elvis. Interesting, and I think that's why he adopted this personality. Going back to something we were talking about earlier, is about like he wants to be remembered. He wants to be great. He doesn't want to be forgotten. So that's why he adopted this kind of like infamous character that people are going to remember for for at least another couple generations. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to live past his years. Uh, so I think that's why he adopted him. So all of his stories, I mean, there's no proof to any of the stories he told, even about, like, the trailer park explosion and, or anything like that. So, I mean, you you have to look at all that as, like, almost like if he's an unreliable narrator. Like, you don't know if he's telling the truth about yeah. any of this. Mm-hmm. So he could have just broken his hip and ended up you know he could have been at a costume contest and and ended up with a broken hip or you know i mean when the first day he got pulled into the uh old folks home he could have been wearing a elvis costume so i mean i think that they they set you up to believe that he is elvis but i don't i don't think that he is because you're only looking at it from his point of his perspective i think that's one of the cool things about having an unreliable uh narrator is like you don't know if it's all bullshit or mm-hmm. if like some of it's true and you can choose to to kind of go either way. Yeah, you know, kind of makes it well, more Yeah, I mean that's what makes it interesting. Like they didn't Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't when they don't kind of put a button on things like that where it's like, "Hey, it is kind of up for debate," which I think it can make a movie it could be it could be a cop out sometimes if somebody's like, "Oh, we're going to leave this up for debate." It's like, "Well, no, you just didn't write an ending to a movie." But I think that the way they did it was was good because we can sit here and have this discussion about like, well, was he or wasn't he? And mm-hmm. I think both of us could make good arguments in either way. So here's um, one. Yeah. Why do you think he was so sad about his daughter and not seeing her and not being able to tell her he loved her? Do you think there was maybe another daughter or? Yeah, I don't think it was Lisa Marie that he was talking about. I think it was his real daughter and they never showed her picture. I mean, he held up a picture, but you they couldn't see it. They probably couldn't afford now, it, the right That stuff. could be, yeah, see, that could be a budgetary thing, because I know a lot, there was no Elvis music in the entire thing, because they couldn't afford it. And the whole Elvis, uh, when they cut to the Elvis uh, movie, 24-hour movie weekend, you don't actually see Elvis at all, because they couldn't afford any of it. Yeah. But I feel like he was talking about his own daughter. And I feel like JFK was talking about, he wasn't talking about John John, when he was talking about, like, oh, we weren't the kind of guys who... Uh, should have had kids or whatever, like, or, or, or we were never m- typical fathers. Something he says something along those lines, but I think that they were talking about. I think that they're they're coming to terms with the fact that they were probably selfish as mm-hmm. dads, as fathers, and maybe weren't around as much as they should have been. And now they're, you know, it's like the the guy in the beginning dies and his daughter doesn't come to visit him. You know, uh, God, nobody comes a, to visit these that death. <laughs> yeah, He's just screaming in pain. Oh my God. And then the girl, and then his daughter shows up and just throws all his shit away because she doesn't yeah. care. Like mm-hmm. that's what they're dealing with. That's that's I think the main the the point of this, the through line of this entire thing is like they're dealing with that. Like, oh, um, no one's gonna give a shit about us when we die. That's what I'm saying. Like it would have been. I think it would they would have served them better to have somebody at the end who could have witnessed their sacrifice to kind of tell the story. And then they're like, oh, like 
these people were valuable, even though they're crazy. And one guy thinks he's JFK, one guy thinks he's Elvis. Uh, I, there is somebody to tell their story as opposed to it all just disappearing. Then, I mean, unless that was the point they were trying to make, again, about just the futility of life and yeah. and death makes everything meaningless. You know, God, fucking depressing shit. <laughs> <man. laughs> well, I feel like if they would have had someone else witness it, because then it would have been their story instead of Elvis's and JFK's story. You know what I mean? Instead of a technically El- Elvis's story. I mean, sure. I mean, but you can have, I mean, you have Holly McLean and Die Hard witness everything and it's still John McClane's story. You know what I mean? Like, you have people, you know. But John McClane doesn't die at the end. And he's not trying to, like, prove himself the whole time. Let me ask you this then. Do you, do you think that the the mummy even existed? Yes. Because nobody else saw it. I mean, the only people who saw it died. Like, maybe maybe it wasn't even That's a funny. real thing. You know what I mean? Like, maybe... It could have just been death. Yeah. You know? I mean, maybe yeah. if it was... If it was if they had brought a girl, like, a, the young girl from the beginning back at the end, and she was the damsel in the stress, then it would have it would have solidified the fact that this mummy is real, so now JFK and Elvis are obviously real. Because um, why not? There's a goddamn mummy walking around. Mm-hmm. Why couldn't this be Elvis? Um but like nobody, like the nurses never saw the mummy. There was never nobody ever reacted who survived, who saw it. So maybe the mummy wasn't real either. Maybe the mummy was just, yeah, it was just the just idea old of, age. of death coming to get <laughs> old people. And they, yeah, like you said, they wanted to do something great again or feel feel useful again before they died. But if the mummy was a metaphor, it wasn't real. Then what the fuck were they feeling? What were, what were they doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know? They're a waste just, of time. Yeah, it's like little kids fighting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I did like? I liked how they they kept true to the old age, and even like those fight scenes were just horrible. Like they were moving all slow, and it was just yeah. like the worst. Like he turns, gets on the cart, and he falls, and he's like, "Don't make me yeah, show you my to, stuff." <laughs> yeah, he tries to kick, and yeah. he hurts his, his his hip and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, I did. I did like that. That they weren't just suddenly these like badasses, or like they they get this whole plan together, and it's like, hey, I'm gonna go to sleep because uh, this thing <laughs> only comes out at night, and then at night comes and JFK falls asleep again. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because he's, he's, he's an old yeah, man. Yeah, he falls asleep in his wheelchair, and then um, he, he reads out that uh, the thing to banish him away, and it was like something ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it made no sense. Yeah. yeah, and then it got like kind of like, I think I got kind of stupid at the end too when the the mummy would talk and like. He was talking at hieroglyphics. Oh, the, and yeah, it, it would. Train, was, I was just like, eh, come that, on. That that was like, a little silly, and and I do agree. I don't like how he they killed him the same way twice, or you know, mm-hmm. and they use the same thing. Like I, I wish maybe like he would have like they would have rolled down the hill, and then they would have like been like a like it could have been like a spike that like he killed himself, and he kind of you know what I mean, like just a different yeah. approach. Like they could have spiked or, him and then spiked himself as Elvis. S- yeah, specific to the mummy because like. It, is the mummy a threat if you could just light it on fire? Like, is that? I don't know if that's how they killed it in the original mummy movies. I never saw them. The uh, not the Brendan Fraser ones. Like you the never ones saw the. Like, uh, oh, okay, gotcha. Like the ones from like the twenties, you know, like the the uh, Lon Chaney ones, you know, or whoever the fuck played the mummy. Um, but like, is that it? Like, you just light a mummy on fire because that's not that's not very scary. Like, it's not intimidating. You know, like <laughs> you, I when I when I watch something, I like to see. I like to see a conclusion that could only have been done because of the characters involved, if that makes sense. Like, so you're thinking like, like a, 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 a something through the heart for a vampire. 
or a yeah, silver well, bullet like, for if, a werewolf. If there's a, if there's a mummy that's back to life and it specifically is hunting old people. Now you have these old guys that are trying to kill it, but you have Elvis and JFK. But again, like I said earlier, nothing about them being Elvis and JFK affects the end of that movie. And nothing about it being a mummy affects the end of that movie. Mm-hmm. They just, they could have been, it could have been a Wolfman that, you know, had a broken Harry, head. Harry Truman and, and Chuck Berry lit on fire. You know what I mean? Like it didn't make a difference. None of that made a difference, I don't think. <laughs> I think a better ending would have been Elvis gyrating his hips and the mummy being hypnotized. And yeah. then JFK giving like this <laughs> badass speech. A great speech. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Just rouses him, or he pulls he pulls a bullet from his back of his head and like blasts Just it at the mummy right or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Elvis chokes the mummy with a peanut butter bacon sandwich. You know, it's like something like that that would have resonated to who these two actors or possibly crazy old people were portraying and what the mummy is. I don't know much about mummies, but if you could just light a mummy on fire, then what? How is that? hard you know I mean, then you better have there better be twenty thousand mummies if you can just light them on fire to make them a threat you know there may be an army of mummies i'm just saying that the the actual the actual fight seemed um it seemed like weak writing to me you mm, know mm-hmm. all right, all so right. those are my thoughts on bubba hotep <laughs> <laughs> any, you got anything any, else anything else any quotes that you liked uh, I mean, I, I already said the uh, the ding dong quote. I really thought was funny, <laughs> and then the the JFK Marilyn Monroe thing, where he goes, "Wow," was really was really yeah. good too. Uh, what about you? Any any fun quotes? Man, that's a big bitch cockroach, <laughs> which I thought was funny. And then when the when the guy asked him how big the 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 bug was, he goes, "Do I look like an ichthyologist to you?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Some damn big bug, all right. Size of my fist, size of a <laughs> peanut butter banana sandwich, man. What do I care? I got a growth on my pecker. Yeah, I'm a pecker. Yeah. yeah, I'm a pecker. Yeah, no, I mean it. There was some good. There were some good lines in there. It wasn't. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't. I mean, it wasn't. Well, <laughs> the music was pretty good. I thought too. It, it wasn't the worst movie I'd ever seen. Yeah, but it just. I mean, there was a little bit of of endearing parts to it. But overall, I just. Yeah, it was kind of. It was kind of whatever. I did like when Elvis said uh, there he was arguing with JFK. And he goes, "Look, man, President Johnson's dead." And JFK goes, "Shit, that ain't gonna stop him." <laughs> <laughs> the JFK guy. I mean, the JFK quotes were great. Like he was really funny. His delivery was really funny. Yeah, I mean, it was just it was what it was. Maybe just not for me. I don't know. Or maybe I'm. No, nah, I don't want to say. It. I was gonna say maybe I'm missing the whole point. I don't want to say that. Yeah. All right. So I was a fan. It wasn't. As great as I remembered, but I still enjoyed it, and I had a good time uh, watching it again. John, you didn't like it whatsoever. Right. Right. So I'm curious to see what, what people out there in, what is it, podcast world? What do we call podcast this? Podcast land? Yeah. I don't know. Were you guys a fan of Bubba Hotep? I feel like you either really like this movie or you don't. Well, who who would you recommend it to if you just were talking to somebody and you were like, oh, you know what movie you'd like? Bubba Hotep. Like, what kind of person See, would you recommend? I, I would to? recommend it to, to fans of Bruce Campbell, but hearing you say that you wish it was more Bruce Campbell-y um, makes me kind of rethink that. Well, it's funny because the the I watched it on... Uh, I watched it on my friend's Prime account because he had bought it. Mm-hmm. And he's a huge Bruce Campbell fan. Uh, so I'm wondering if he bought it he might have bought it just to support Bruce Campbell, but I, I, I have to ask him, be like, do you actually like Bubba Hotep? you think it's a, a good Bruce Campbell vehicle, or 
did you just buy it because you you and he's the kind of guy who does do that like i support i'm gonna support you which we all should that's cool if yeah. you like an artist you should support them so that's why i'm not supporting bubba hotel by watching yeah. it on <laughs> so you're not gonna uh, do a podcast about it <laughs> yeah but so you're saying you would recommend it to a Bruce Campbell fan? Yeah, and I would recommend it to a Bruce Campbell fan. I would recommend it to people who are fans of indie films because this is an indie film. I think like he's put oh, a lot of his definitely. his own money into that, and you can you can see it. I, I just like the story be, behind it. So if you're like a fan of someone who wants to create your own art and you have something that you really believe in, and and like again, he couldn't sell this story. Because everyone kept trying to change it, they're like, "Well, you gotta make it. You gotta euthanize it, as, as you said. <laughs> you gotta bring in uh, some some youthful things, or maybe you can change it like this or like that." But he wanted to stick to it, and he said, "This is what I see. This is what I believe." And when he took in the theaters, I, people seemed to agree with him. And for what it is, I think I like how big it got, even though it wasn't a huge movie. You know, I think it's just one of yeah. those kind of almost in the in the realm of like Blue Ruin that we did on episode two. Um, mm -hmm. where it's just, it's just, he just went, he just, he couldn't get anybody to finance this. So he's like, fuck it. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. Well, he's got that sweet phantasm money. That's know. right. Yeah. <laughs> he was definitely in a better place than, uh, Jeremy. What is it? Salmier? Salmier? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. But it's okay. So let me ask you, you have to recommend it to somebody. Who would you recommend it to? <laughs> I, I think I would recommend it to somebody like uh, I would basically sell it to somebody who like re likes really like, but kind of sell it as like, look, it's kind of like like trauma light, <laughs> like it's got more story than a trauma, but it's not as extreme as a trauma movie. So like, like that's kind of how I would sell it, or like even like 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 I said earlier, it's like it's it's like a light trauma or a light Sam Raimi. It's somewhere in between the two. Yeah. So you know, I mean, I wouldn't be against recommending it to someone who's a Bruce Campbell fan necessarily like I would be like look it's a I would I would sell it as this though I'd be like look it's a Bruce Campbell movie where he's not playing Bruce Campbell he's actually playing something other than himself which he usually does even like through like I mean all of this even like Briscoe County Jr. and all that like he was playing a very similar character which right. I love but I would say like look if you want to see a different version of Bruce Campbell check this movie out so if you we want to hear what you think about uh, Bubba Hotep. Did you like it? Did you hate it? You can hit us up on all the socials. What is it? Instagram, Instagram Twitter. Twitter, Facebook. We even got an email address now because we're fancy. That's right. Anything that it we can really sign up fancy. for for free. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a good movie at gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so everything, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook. Oh, yeah, that was a good movie at gmail.com. Yeah, feel free to reach out. Let us know what you think. Let us know how wrong we are. We love hearing that, actually. Yeah, um, that would be fun. But actually, I actually do like like being challenged on stuff when, you know, I would love to hear somebody really come back just like kind of like you did and be like, no, man, you missed the whole point of this fucking movie. <laughs> and then maybe I'll look at it with new eyes. You know what I mean? Like, that's I think that's that's one of the great things about discussing movies is like, maybe you saw something that I didn't and now I'm going to watch it again, which I'm not going to watch it again. But yeah, if I was, I was to watch it again. <laughs> I don't know if this is the, the movie. Uh, yeah. yeah. If two but, didn't do it. The third one will definitely not. But I do have I do have friends that are that are filmmakers too, and and they'll watch movies that they didn't like multiple times, and trying to figure out the reason why they didn't like it, so that they don't make the same mistakes. Which I think is actually a really good exercise if you have the time. Um, I do that with music. Like if I hear something and I don't like it, I, I try to figure out. Unless it's like horrible, but if it's like a, a band that I like, 
mm-hmm. and I don't, and I'm not digging the sound. I'm like, what's going on? Like, why don't I like, like a this? new record or something? Yeah, that didn't, uh-huh. yeah. Or if I'm just like, it's okay, and then I, I keep listening to it, and then I start to like, like Radiohead. Let's just say when they come out with something new, and sometimes it doesn't always click. But just listening to over and over and like setting and being like, oh wow, this is actually more impressive than I thought. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, totally. Like like a Weezer, like Weezer Blue album to Weezer Pinkerton. Everybody's like Pinkerton sucks. Now you listen to Pinkerton, you're like, oh my god, this record's amazing. You know. So like, I was in, I really into the Blue album, and then they came out with Pinkerton, and I I didn't like it. But then I read a review that was like, just keep listening to it. You're gonna love it, and I did. And then I was like, oh yeah, they're right. This this record. Interesting. I have not liked any Weezer song or album in a very long time. Maybe I should. Yeah, get, I mean, uh, this Pinkerton was. A- this was '90s, dude. I mean, Pinkerton's yeah. their second record, so uh, anything after that, th- th- you can get into the Weezer debate after that, which I don't want to do. But yeah. <laughs> uh, the first two records are are very nostalgic to me. I did get a, a message from Nebel. It says N E E B U L. He's actually uh, a friend of mine from from back in the day. He said, "I've got some '80s horror suggestions." So he mentioned Day of the Dead, 1985. Mm-hmm. Uh, Video Drone, 1983. Oh, yeah. And Dead and Buried, 1981. And then, of course, Return of the Living Dead, 1985. Uh, Video Drone is actually a movie I've not seen that I really want to see. I've heard some like really great things about it. But yeah, Video Drone, man. Early, like, or I'll say early, kind of like at that peak uh, David Cronenberg body horror uh, era of his. He ended up going into more like, uh, like Eastern Promises and uh, History of Violence and stuff like that, which are good movies, but... Uh, his body horror stuff like that and the fly um, was all was really was really cool. I thought for what he was doing at the time, practical effects and stuff like that. So yeah, I would love to get into that one. His son's doing stuff too. Uh, his son is um, Brandon Cronenberg. Hmm. Um, he did like antiviral and uh, possessor and stuff, which I actually haven't seen any of his stuff. But uh, it's supposed to be really, really kind of in the same vein. Like it's supposed to be pretty out there stuff. So maybe you should check that out. Nice. Uh, History of Violence was pretty cool. The, the comic book was really good. It's like this we have a fat. really. Yeah, I didn't know it was a comic book. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It was very... We have a uh, a autographed DVD of a History of Violence. Oh, uh, wow. signed by Ed Harris. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. yeah so there's no, uh, there's, there's no there's no cover or anything. It's literally just the DVD in like a clear case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, thank you, uh, Nebel. Quick, actually, remember earlier um, one of these podcasts you were asking what that image behind me was um that's actually a photograph that michael nebel took so he's got some oh, really? awesome photography yeah so right. you could follow him too he's n-e-e-b-u-l um yeah, if you want to see some really cool uh some cool photography he does some like weird like dark stuff it's cool that's why he likes cronenberg yeah. that's right yeah uh-huh. <laughs> i could tell by his movies <laughs> yeah and then one more thing I did want to mention. So for Christmas, we usually, we have the kids, but we don't usually say, like, these presents are from Santa. Or, yeah. like, does we, like, make up all these names? Like, this is from Sonic or, you know, from Bruce Lee or whatever. And I had this present that was, like, about, you know, six inches by four inches flat thing. And I was like, and I looked at it, and it said, to Osvaldo from Mark and Mike. And I was like, what the hell? And I opened <laughs> it up, and it was the, uh, the Blu-ray for American Movie. Oh, super yeah, cool. Yeah, so um, I did get uh, the, the Blu-ray version. So now I do have an older copy of the DVD version, and I think it would be kind of fun to do some kind of giveaway. So we'll have to figure that out and figure out some kind of giveaway that we can do. If you guys have any ideas, let me know. So you're going to give away your, your original standard DVD copy? Yeah. Of uh-huh. Movie. Yeah. Well, it's a Christmas miracle. That's right. It? Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Um, that's super cool, man. That's a good. Yeah, I got I've got the Blu-ray here too, and it's good. You get the director's commentary and stuff. You get to hear you get to hear Mark really kind of like listen to himself talk in the movie and be like oh he goes well he's talking about the ad like oh we're gonna have hundreds of people here waves of people and ad's pushing around yeah. he goes, and mark's watching he goes man i was really uh i was really talking some stuff back then wasn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well that's cool man yeah we'll figure something out we'll give it away cool uh well we like to end every episode uh with the segment we call what's good where we talk about something that's not movies uh in the world of entertainment pop culture just in in our lives so um Oswaldo, what's good? All right, so I, I, I don't have uh, I don't have a world of entertainment sort of thing, but have you ever uh, been to that uh, that that trader guy? His name's Joe. Oh yes, I have. I have been, <laughs> been, I have been Trader there. Joe's. Well, they yeah. have this this food that I think is fucking amazing, and I've been eating it for a very long time, and I think I'm I should share. Yeah. I want the world yeah. to know. So they make. Uh, you're familiar with chorizo, right? I, I do live in Southern California, yes. That's I right. Chorizo. Yeah. Well, they have this their own version, but it's called soy riso. It's like a soy-based uh, chorizo yeah. instead of pork. Yeah. And it is the best chorizo you ever had in your life. Like, better than the real stuff. I'll better than real stuff. chorizo. Oh, yeah. Because the, the, the real stuff is is great and it's good, but it's really heavy. It's really greasy. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it's it's delicious, but it's it's hard to eat. With this, you cook it up and you cook it up right, put it on anything, and it tastes amazing. Is it just the Trader Joe's brand? It's just the Trader Joe's brand. Everything I have, I think, is like Trader Joe's brand, right? And they only That's, have one kind. I don't know. Yeah. yeah so I, you, I don't know. I don't know. You got to go by what? the uh, like the where they sell the tofu and like the fake cheese. But they yeah, have Trader it there. Joe's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that that is my uh, my what's good. Um, definitely. That's recommend. interesting because because I actually my wife is uh, she's a pescatarian. Ah, okay. Um, but. She did make soriso, uh, soriso, am I saying that right? Soriso, yeah. Uh, did she make it for Christmas morning or something something around the holidays? She she made something with it, and I will say that of all the fake meats, the soriso is the best it's imitation so meat out there. Yeah, um, it's really good. Also, I will I will add on to the Trader Joe's. Uh, my favorite thing lately at Trader Joe's has I'm out of it now. Has been it's just a dill pickle seasoning. Huh. And it's just it just tastes like dill. It's like a dill pickle salt almost. It's not salt, but it's like a seasoning. And I've been putting it on chicken and putting it in the air fryer, and it comes out tasting like Chick Fil A. Like you don't have to go to fucking Chick Fil A now, which is awesome. Um, and it's amazing. It's my favorite seasoning right now. The only problem is it's like fifteen dollars a, a container. What? <laughs> it's like the, it's the most expensive seasoning like I've a, ever seen like in a my life. Container is like bucks? a regular container of seasoning is like it's like. Maybe twenty dollars. I was what? like, "Get the fuck!" I don't know where it came from, how it ended up in my house. I blew through it like it was free because it was because <laughs> it just showed up. And then I was like, "I." It was it was like a crack dealer. It was like the first taste was free, and now I got to pay all this money for this pickle seat, this dill pickle season. And I found knockoffs, and I found the dill pickle popcorn, but it's not the same. None of it is the same. The I've Trader had the Joe's dill, dill pickle popcorn. Uh, my yeah. daughter's a big fan of pickles. I might have to check that out. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of pickles. Yes, I do. I do love pickles. Uh, the dill pickle seasoning at Trader Joe's on like chicken in an air fryer is, is next level. It's so good. <laughs> I don't have uh, enough counter space for an air fryer. Uh, I don't either. I just make it, I just make it happen. Ah, see, I got it when I was on the road and I bought it on the road and it was $69. So I thought it was hilarious. So I bought it because <laughs> it was $69 because I'm a child. And, uh, 
I, you know, I brought, I asked my wife, I was like, do you want this air fryer? I'm just gonna throw it away or I'm going to donate it otherwise. And she was like, yeah, bring it home. So I, I, now I actually use it more now than I did when I was on the road. Everyone who has air fryers really likes them. Yeah. I mean, it's just a convection oven, but yeah. it's, it's convenient, you know, and it makes, it makes chicken super juicy. So, hmm. and I'm not talking about a specific air fryer. I don't endorse any air fryer specifically, but the concept but if it's of $69.99, but if it's $69 <laughs> and I can get goddamn pickle seasoning, it, I can get three things of pickle seasoning for one air fryer. It's ridiculous. All right, so Trader Joe's, dill pickles, and the uh, soy riso. Yeah, I didn't mean to jump all over your Oh, no, no. It's all good, yeah. <laughs> it's always nice when we can double it up. Now you can put that yeah. seasoning on the uh, some pickled soy riso. Oh, my God. Sorizo, dill soy riso? Oh. I don't know. It might be too different. It's too much. Yeah. yeah. So so when I make it, I don't... It's like So a lot of people like to make the soy riso when they put it in their eggs or in their uh, frijol, in their beans. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to keep it like separate, so so that way you can kind of use it as seasoning. So okay. so you make it so like you cut up an onion, you grill that up, and then you cut up some garlic, you grill that up, and then you put the soriso on there, and maybe just add mm-hmm. some more garlic pepper, um, and then just let it all cook, cook and cook until it gets kind of like until it looks like meat, and then that's it. And then you then you make your eggs and you put it on there, or you make beans and you put it on there, or you make tacos you and you use it as a topping. It on. Not yeah. As a, okay. Yeah. So that I, that's, I, I, I would. I like it in a like a quesadilla with cheese. Yeah, chorizo mm-hmm. quesadilla cheese. That's good. Yep, and you can keep it in the refrigerator and it lasts a while, unless you eat right. it. Then it doesn't last a while. Which it, which yeah. it won't last then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what's good with you, man? What you got? Well, so like a million years ago, well, I used to live in the D.C. area, and I worked for this amazing family. Uh, of they were like these old hippies and and. Uh, not in the not in the classic sense of like beads and stuff, but like they were at Woodstock. You know, I mean, they were they lived in San Francisco in the late '60s. Like they were they were in it, man. Um, beautiful family, lovely. Like uh, they really kind of took me in as as one of their own kids at the time. And the 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 guy who ran so I ran their music store for them. But the guy who owned the music store, he was a, per, a percussion teacher, and um, he turned me on to all kinds of, cause I was just like playing punk bands and stuff at the time, you know, like heavy, loud, as, as loud and fast as we could. So he turned me on to all kinds of different music. I recently revisited a DVD that he gave me of a live performance. I'm not into jazz really, but one of my favorite jazz musicians is this guy, Rasan Roland Kirk, who mm, I think mm-hmm. I showed you him like 20 years ago or 15 years ago. I think I showed you one of his things. And uh, he was like this big, heavy set African American dude who was completely blind. And he would play woodwinds, but he would play like three or four at a time, right? So he would play like three saxophones at a time. Real crazy guy, real out there. And the DVD I have of his that I've been watching again, and you can watch it on YouTube for free. It's amazing. It's it's Rahsaan, It's R A H S A A N Roland, like the like the keyboard R O L A N D Kirk K R K, and it's live at the Montreux Jazz Festival, nineteen seventy two, and it's just it's exactly what you want this to be it's so out there and and he's playing you know he goes from playing three saxophones at once oh and he's completely blind did i mention that yeah he's mm-hmm. completely blind okay mm-hmm. do you think someone played a joke on him and gave him two saxophones and told him it was one told him it was one yeah, yeah and he just figured it <laughs> out like, but he'll hey. play three saxophones at once and then he stopped and he'll play the flute but then he'll like almost like speak through the flute he'll play oh, like the yeah. nose the nose uh I don't know what it's called. It's almost like an ocarina. I don't know if that's even a real instrument or not, but like the ocarina of time from Link. And he he would play multiple instruments at once, completely blind. He had a percussionist who, I forgot about this part. At one point, his band's just like jamming, and his percussionist takes him by the hand and like leads him out into the crowd. 
and he takes his little necklace off, and it's there's just cocaine in the necklace, and he starts just like giving it out to the crowd. <laughs> the crowd. <laughs> yeah, he just like starts giving them little bumps, um, and it's you know it's it's I've seen Elvis do that, but he was giving away kisses. He was just walking around kissing a bunch of ladies. Oh like, really? I thought he'd be yeah. giving away like in the mouth. peanut butter or something. Yeah, yeah no, no, course, it was just like course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's singing a song. It's like the guy from the Family Feud, like was his name Richard Dawkins. Like I'm kissing every girl on this show. Um, but when you watch this, and 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 Roland Kirk ended up like having a stroke at one point, and he lost half the feeling in one side of his body. But then he still went on to perform and play with two saxophones. So like he still didn't stop. And then oh, you know cool. he died. Wow. He died in the seventies, uh, late seventies, I think. But it was just one of those performances where like as a young musician too and like kind of experiencing new things it just blew me away uh because it's so interesting and it's so much fun and it's weird enough to where like it's inspiring where you're like oh god i wish i was doing something like that i wish i was the guy who was playing three instruments at once or you know and it's jazz music but it's also like it's it's almost like it's not like a bebop but it's like a like almost like a heavier jazz which was really speaking to me at the time so it just gave me the feels, man. It gave me the nostalgia, nice. um, and it really it brought me back to that time, like like seriously, like twenty years ago, where uh, this really nice family, like just they they paid me to run their music store, and I got to teach kids music, and I got to meet all kinds of musicians and famous musicians, and it was really an interesting time in my life. And yeah, we saw Roland Kirk live at the Montreux nineteen seventy live in Montreux nineteen seventy two at the Jazz Festival. I couldn't recommend it higher. Free on YouTube. You can find you can you can listen to it, I'm sure. I'll put a, I'll put a link in the, the show notes. Yeah, cool man. Yeah, I figured but, out how to uh, do that. So yeah. I'm gonna be saying that a lot. I'll put a link in it in the show notes. <laughs> but yeah, man, that's what I that's what I got for today. Nice. Beautiful. All right. So we got our uh our opinions on Bubba Hotep. We did our what's good. So now it's time to figure out what movie and it's your turn. I'm, My I'm turn. really excited, yeah. Uh, so I've realized that we, we talk about underappreciated movies, but we stuck mostly to things that were like around the two mid early to mid two thousands, mostly okay. American movie, I think was 99. Everything else was like between 2000, 2010. So I want to go wait. I want to go back a little further before either of us existed on this planet. Oh, wow. Uh, back to 1979 and the great, uh, Philip Kaufman coming of age drama called the Wanderers. Ah, which I don't even know. Have you even heard of the? Do you know the Wanderers? I, I've at heard all? of no? it. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. Um, there was. Fuck. What was I just watching? with someone was talking about it? But I have. I bet you. I pull up my my list. It's on there. As like. I think I, I mentioned it. Maybe that's I mentioned what... it. Uh, in one of our uh, in one of our podcasts, just like off off the cuff, like offhand, like oh the oh I was talking about like rumble scenes. There's a great rumble scene ah. in the Wanderers. <laughs> um, Big big time rumble scene, okay. but it's uh yeah it takes place it 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 was made in 1979 but it takes place in 1963, and it's like a teenage uh, coming of age slash like New York gang movie so uh, kind of came out in that in that like 60s nostalgia time uh, in the in the, that was happening in the 70s you'll see some actors in there that you recognize Karen Allen is in it first of all she's probably the biggest star that came out of it Karen Allen's amazing but uh, you know from like uh, Indiana Jones and, and Animal House and stuff like that. So she's, she was around a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can watch it. It's streaming actually right now free on on Plex TV or Plex.TV. So you don't have to, I don't think you have to sign up or anything. I think you could just watch it. It's probably got commercials in it. But um, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. So I'm hoping that it holds up. But I remember when I saw it, it was on TV a couple times 
when I was in like high school and it really, really had a big impact on me. So I'm hoping now as a grown up that it still affects me the way that it did back then. It might not. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, yeah, we're going to go with The Wanderers on Plex.tv for free. Nice. All right. Perfect. You can probably also get it on, you know, Blu-ray and then Amazon and like iTunes. You could probably just rent it as well, right? I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, you can get it anywhere. I, I try to, you know, I was trying to think of whatever would be the most accessible the most free. to watch it. But, the, I mean, let's be honest, yeah. the most free. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, I mean, the movie's 43 years old. People probably are not making money on it anymore. So if you can watch <laughs> it for free on Plex, then watch it for free on Plex. So Nice. I just, um, does, does Plex do commercials? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. All right. uh, I just fired it up the other day to make sure that it, I didn't have to sign up for it. Nice. So... All right. If there's commercials, though, I'm, I'm going to have to rent it from some someplace. Really? You don't do, can't, you can't, can't do, commercials. do commercials? Really? No. Maybe we'll, one day we'll get into, like, news and stuff, but, like, Netflix is going to start doing commercials and things like that. But I yeah, think for, I'm like, still a cheaper, gonna, like, a cheaper... Yeah, thing. I'm going to pay a little bit extra just, yeah, to, just to avoid that. Cool. Well, that was it, man. That was Bubba Hotep. That was our What's Good... Uh, feel free to reach out, follow us on any of the, on any of the social media platforms. Let us know how wrong we were about this movie. And how, then how wrong what, John was about this movie. How wrong I was <laughs> about this movie. It just flew right over my head. It was too deep for me. <laughs> if you have any movies that you want to talk about or have us review, please feel free to reach out. And I think, are we going to start maybe having guests? One we of will. Days? Yeah. We're going to have some guests. Um, we're going to have some really famous, famous guests. Um, Super huge. <laughs> yeah, but not now. They'll be famous in maybe 10, 15 years. So we're going to cool. get them first. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it. So we, we usually like to um, end with a quote, and uh, I think I have one that really made me laugh. Um, and it was with uh, JFK when he's uh, bringing out the candy bars, and he looks at uh, Elvis and he says, let's get decadent. <laughs> Oh, great. All right. (laughs) Man, damn it. All right, you know what? I like this movie. Change my mind. I like this movie. (laughs) All right, bye, everybody. All right. That's it. Thanks, everybody. Mm -hmm.